Girlfriends, episode number 180, how to make schooling choices for your kids. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about schooling choices, homeschool, public school, private school, and everything in between. Join me for this important conversation. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Danielle here. Glad you're able to join me for this newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Always glad to connect with you here. I hope your summer is off to a roaring start. I hope all is well in your home, in your family. It's the end of the school year pretty much everywhere. And so that's going to be why we're kind of talking about this topic, because I know a lot of parents are struggling with making decisions for the coming school year or making decisions for their kids who are going to begin school next year and trying to figure out what's the best choice for that. Before I get to that, though, I need to give a shout out to some girlfriends, listeners that I met when I was uh, traveling over the past few weeks. I've been super busy. I have been away a ton. And I'm really feeling it. My home is feeling it. My family's feeling it. I'm back home now for uh, several weeks now before I go out again. But um, it was wonderful to be able to go to Florida for the Catholic Media Conference, which was um, held in St. Petersburg, Florida this year. Loved being able to meet up with a lot of people, new friends, old friends, everything in between. Always fun to hang out with Lisa Hendy for a while. Um, and so I got the chance to do that, as well as some of my co-workers from Holy Cross Family Ministries, but also met up with some people that I previously used to work with at Circle Media way back in the day, people working now on National Catholic Register and other um, media projects. I meet up with Paul McKibben from Catholic Digest, who I used to work with and really enjoyed working with him back then, got to see him and his family. So it was a wonderful time to be able to spend reconnecting and also learning about media because there were many workshops and conferences as part of this overall conference. And I was thrilled that Catholic Mom won some Catholic Media Awards, really happy to win a Gabriel as a second place for Best Group Blog. And then Catholic Media Awards, we won second place in the podcast category, but then first place in the group blog category. So really honored to be able to receive those awards on behalf of my teammates, the people who I work with over at Catholic Mom. And at Catholic Mom, we have over 130 contributors. So really, this award represents the hard work of a lot of people. So happy to be able to do that. And then I spent the next week, which was last week at this point, um, in Boston recording the gist at Catholic TV. So those of you who aren't familiar, I have this television, television talk show by and for and about women that I co-host along with my good friend, Rachel Balducci, and my friend, uh, Carolee McGrath, who's local to Massachusetts. Rachel flies in from Georgia to be able to record for the week, and we spend the week doing the entire season, which is exhausting and awesome and fun and completely depleting, <laughs> but <laughs> we get it all done inside of a week. And um, so you can see little clips of that if you go to, on Instagram 
we have now an official account on Instagram for the gist called gistagram. If you go and look up gistagram on Instagram, you can check it out there or just follow me on there and I'll link to it on a regular basis. You can see behind the scenes stuff going on with the gist and all of our plans for the coming season, which was our ninth season we were recording, which seems crazy that we've been doing this this long, but we really are in a groove and it's really comfortable. And I love working with the people at Catholic TV. I love working with Carol Lee and Rachel and our producer, Laura. So ton of fun, exhausting fun in Boston for that week. That was last week. And then over the weekend, I was in Ohio. I was in Portsmouth, Ohio for a family conference there where I had um, a keynote talk and a workshop for women and Wonderful to be able to meet the people there, but I got to give a shout out to Megan and Maddie and Portia, who all were um, connecting with me over the weekend in Ohio and letting me know they are listeners of the Girlfriends podcast. So I'm thrilled to have met you in person. I'm always thrilled to meet people in person. If you are a listener of the podcast and you enjoy the content here and you're interested in having me come to your community to give a talk like I did in Portsmouth at this family conference, you might know of a family conference going on in your area. Maybe your parish puts one on, maybe your diocese sponsors one. You can go to daniellebean.com and click on the speaking tab, find out more information about bringing me to your community. Or if you are interested in having one of my retreats that are specific for women, day retreats specifically designed for women, my You Are Enough or my You're Worth It retreats, um, which are based on stories in scripture, stories of women in scripture. You can get more information about those retreats and the possibility of bringing one to your community if you go to daniellebean.com and click on that retreats tab. Anyway, all of that to tell you, I am feeling wiped out, but thrilled to be home, thrilled to just wash the dishes, sweep the floors, clean the bathrooms, Truly, uh, that is my happy place, being home, just doing my own thing. As much as I love going out and meeting people and as exciting and fun as it is to be able to attend conferences and connect with other people who are doing similar work to mine, I love all of that. But mostly I love just getting back home to my home, my family. This is my spot. This is where I belong. So thrilled to be here and thrilled to be back in my podcasting seat and connecting with you all about this important topic. So we're talking about making school choices for your kids. And this is something I hear from people about a lot. And I was inspired to take this on on the podcast right now because uh, listener Carol on our Facebook group um, asked the question. She said, have you ever done an episode on why and how you chose to homeschool? Would love to hear your perspective, um, maybe on the Catholic MomCast as well. So yes, we may take it up on the Catholic MomCast as well, which is the podcast that I do with Lisa Hendy and sometimes Allison Jingris for CatholicMom.com. But I'm happy to take it up here because this is something people are often curious about. People want to know how you decided that. Even people who will never consider homeschooling their kids are interested in these kinds of conversations the same way I'm interested in other people's different thoughts and opinions and the kinds of decisions they make about their children's education, even if they're different from my own. Because um, I think the discerning process is a similar one for all of us. And so it's kind of helpful to talk about these things especially this time of year. I know I've heard from some moms recently in real life who are sharing that their child really struggled through the last year and they're wondering what to do, whether it's to end homeschooling or to begin homeschooling, send their child to private school, pull their child out of public school, whatever it is. We're all kind of in that place, or many of us are in that place of making decisions for the coming year, kind of looking ahead to the coming year as we're going on break for the summer here. So I'm happy to take on this topic and share 
our journey with regard to homeschooling. So I'll just, to begin, I'll give you a little bit of our background, what our decision has been, and um, then I'll, I'll, I'll share some ideas for things for you to keep in mind as you're kind of discerning what's best for your kids. So um, as Carol mentioned, we homeschool, but we do not homeschool our kids all the way through high school. Um, we do end up transitioning them into our local public high school at some point in their high school career. And it's been different for each of our kids. But the way we got started was years ago, Dan, who has a degree in education and has been an educator for over 18 years, not currently, but has been, has that experience. Um, early on, when we first started our family, he had experience inside of the public school system here in New Hampshire, and he was working in elementary schools that were highly rated, uh, had great test scores in wealthy communities, really nice schools, great schools by most people's standards. And just what he observed behind the scenes, he didn't like. And he didn't like a lot of the people he was working with. He didn't like what some of their agendas were with regard to the kids. He was just put off by the entire thing, so much so that he said, I don't want to send our kids to public school. And so living where we do, we looked at some of our options as our kids were getting a little bit older. And um, there were a few private schools that were still a good drive away. Um, there didn't look like something we could reasonably afford to do. So we very quickly started thinking about the possibility of homeschooling. But from the beginning, and I would say continuing on through the years, it really was something that was motivated and um, started by Dan and what he wanted for our kids. I wasn't opposed to it, but it certainly wasn't something that came from me. It really was what he was, he was much more adamant about it than I was, this idea that we were going to try homeschooling our kids. And we knew people who were doing it, so it didn't seem like a crazy option. I know some people live in communities where nobody homeschools, and then so it doesn't feel like an actual option for you, or if nobody in your family homeschools, it, it can feel like a crazy option. So anyway, we began by looking into what the laws were here in New Hampshire, very friendly laws toward homeschoolers. We are the live free or die state after all. And um, since that beginning, the laws have only gotten more lax with regard to what's required of homeschoolers for um, reporting and checking in and communicating with the state and whatnot. Um, so for sure, if you're considering homeschooling, I would recommend you start there, find out, talk to people in your state who are homeschooling and find out what you need to know, what, what will be required of you. And, um, you know, starting there, I think is a great place to start. So the reasons why, you know, that was really it. And I think in the beginning, um, maybe we also had some like, and you know, what I just described, Dan didn't care for what he saw behind the scenes inside of the public schools where he was working. Um, maybe that's more fear-based, I think, than where we ended up, like where we, where, I, where I would say we are today with regard to why we homeschool our kids. Um, you know, kind of the idea of protecting our kids from negative influences in the culture, from uh, perhaps other kids, from the education system, you know, depending on where you live, it, you know, those kinds of influences vary. Um, but I would say in the beginning, it really was more out of wanting to shelter our kids from that, wanting to protect our kids from that. Now, shelter is an interesting word because a lot of times people use it negatively, like, oh, you're just sheltering your kids, right? But if you think about it, that's our job, right? I mean, within reasonable limitations, we are supposed to, as parents, protect our children, 
from things that might harm them. So, you know, if you discern that it's reasonable for you to protect your child from negative things inside of the culture or inside of a local school or whatever other your school options are to homeschool them, then that's just doing your job. That's just being a responsible parent. So I like to use the word shelter. There's nothing wrong with sheltering your kids. Of course, you can go overboard with it and you can over shelter your kids, but that's a different thing. But protecting your kids from negative things, I think that's an excellent way to parent. Um, so anyway, in the beginning, it really was probably more motivated by that. And I, through the years, have often called myself a reluctant homeschooler. And that isn't because I don't think it's great. And that isn't because I don't think it was what was best for our family. It is 100% because it is so darn hard. It's really hard. It was really hard for me. I think uh, some people come to it more naturally than I do. Some people enjoy it more than I do. Um, ultimately, and especially in those early years, the, the largest part of the burden of homeschooling fell on me because I was home full time. I wasn't even working, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't even working even part time from home. That kind of happened over the years, sort of a transition over the years as our, our kids grew, as our homeschooling options changed, as my work situation changed. I started out very much working part time from home eventually, but I wasn't even doing that in the beginning. And ultimately that led to full time work, which meant different kinds of changes in our homeschooling in the ways in which we approached it. But it very much was a burden that fell on me, especially in those early years. And frankly, a lot of the times I resented it. <laughs> that's because I had my own plans. And really, ultimately, I would say, it's not that I can't teach my kid fractions. I could totally teach my kid fractions. It's not that I can't teach my kid to read. And sometimes I even enjoyed teaching my kids to read. It's that I was selfish with my own time. I mean, maybe selfish is a hard word, but that is honestly how I felt a lot of those times. Like, me, me, me. I just want my time. And I've always been a very busy person. I always have different projects I want to be working on, whether it's household projects or homemaking projects or just keeping up with the laundry or, you know, outside work projects, which happened for me later on. I was always balancing many different desires for how I would spend my time and homeschooling often felt like an imposition on those. So I'm being honest. I, I really was oftentimes, even though I wasn't rebelling against it, even though I wasn't saying I don't want to do it, I never, I mean, I was very much on board with this decision and I understood the reasons why we were doing it, but I struggled still. Still, I struggled. And I would say inside of our family life, that choice to homeschool was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's the hardest thing I continue to do. It's a sacrifice. It's huge. If you're considering homeschooling, don't underestimate that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, so we started out homeschooling all of our kids full time, and um, they were we were having kids in rapid succession. So this turned into a big project. And you know, I mentioned that Dan's an educator, and he has that that background. Um, so he always was a very very much hands on help with regard to the homeschooling. And that was huge. That was, I mean, it couldn't have been possible if he wasn't doing that. And at a certain age, he would take over completely the kids' math and science, um, their programs for that and follow through with that. And that was hugely helpful to me. Um, so Dan was very helpful in that way. Um, so we homeschooled full-time, our oldest, all the way up until she was a junior in high school. And it was at that, that point that we were kind of looking ahead to college. And I started to think, 
you know, I don't know where she's going to go to school, but I think it might be helpful for her to have some in-classroom experience, even just a little bit before she goes to college. So I investigated and um, in New Hampshire, we are very fortunate and this varies by state, but we are very fortunate in that as homeschoolers, we have the right to send our kids to school for one class. You can you know, you can do a la carte classes at your local public high school here in New Hampshire. Also here in New Hampshire, and this factored in a huge way into our decision to homeschool, uh, homeschoolers are allowed to participate in school sports. That's not the case in every state. I think that's a huge injustice when that's not allowed because we are paying taxes and our kids have a right to those programs. Anyway, that aside, in New Hampshire, we do have a right to put our kids into school sports. We always did that because it was hugely important to our kids. They were also allowed to participate in other extracurricular activities, very much on an a la carte basis, which is so wonderful. What a wonderful, flexible option to have as parents in the state of New Hampshire. So investigate what's available in your state if you're interested in finding out about that. So we were able to put our oldest daughter, Katery, into one class and I picked an English class and she did not want to go. She was all set. <laughs> she did very well academically working at home. She was very much an independent, motivated student on her own. She didn't feel any need to be in this classroom. She had her own set of friends. She just absolutely didn't want to go. But I thought it was important for her. And so we insisted that she go. And let me tell you, when I brought her to school on that day, I dropped her off for that one class. And as I drove away, I cried. Is that crazy? But not really. This is what we mothers do. And I was laughing at myself, especially later on reflecting on it, that I was crying the tears that most mothers cry when they put their kid on the bus for kindergarten, right? <laughs> I had just waited like many more years before doing it. Um, but it was a transition for me. It was a letting go. And our school choices, I think it's important when you're thinking about making these choices for your kids to accept and acknowledge the fact that they're emotional, that we have emotions attached to them. Whether you're deciding to homeschool or deciding to send your child to school or whatever it is, that we have a lot of emotion attached to these things because they matter, because we love our kids so much, because we want what's best for them. So that said, I dropped her off for that class. And then I was seriously, honestly, crossing my fingers and waiting to see how all of this little experiment was going to turn out. Because I felt like inside of that moment where she was entering this classroom and she was going to have a teacher who wasn't me be answering to somebody else, I felt like it was an evaluation of what we had done. Like if she went there and was really struggling to keep up in this classroom, that was going to be a judgment and evaluation of how we did schooling her up until that point. Thankfully, she did really well. She got straight A's. And I was very pleased and proud of her efforts in that class, despite the fact that she didn't want to be there. She went on to take another class. She graduated our homeschool. But when you graduate a homeschool, you don't get a degree. And I was a little bit concerned about that because she'd only taken a couple of classes at the high school, but she'd also taken some online classes that were worth credit. Then she got credit at the high school for the classes she took. She just had such a varied kind of transcript that um, in the end, let me tell you, she got into every single college she applied to. Now, she wasn't applying to Harvard, but she was applying to good schools and she got into every single one. So if you're worried about that, I'm going to tell you, don't worry about that. It, it really, I think it was nothing but a bonus on her college applications, the fact that she had this varied background with regard to her schooling and that she had done very well with all of it. So anyway, that said, 
we then um, decided that it was important to transition each of our kids at some point during their high school career into the local public high school. And we've done that in various ways over the years. Um, now, currently, I have two full-time high schoolers and two who are full-time homeschoolers, and they will be for the next couple of years. So that's where we're at. Um, but that said, I just want to share a little bit more about why we've over the years continued to homeschool and why I've thought that's an important thing for us to do. So, you know, sending them to school has been a mixed bag and there are various reasons why I still think it's important for us to do that. And um, if you're thinking about schooling choices for your kids, I really want to encourage you to consider your kids individually. And it's okay to homeschool one and send another to school. It's okay to, you know, stop homeschooling one and send them to school if you decide that's what's best for them. Your kids are individuals, and I think it's really important to treat them that way with regard to their schooling choices. Because I know some people kind of get their pride caught up into the idea like, we send our kids to private school, we send our kids to this school, or we homeschool. And if that's too much of a firm part of your family identity, if you're too invested in that, it can be to the detriment of your kids if they end up needing a different option, if they're struggling with what you're doing. So I'm just putting that out there. But I did want to say that over the years, our reasons for homeschooling, at least my own, and my reasons for becoming more comfortable with our decision to homeschool and not struggling quite so much with it, are that they've changed because I told you early on, it might've been more out of an, like a fear or wanting to protect our kids. And there's still some element of that for sure. But ultimately, the reason why I feel like we've continued to homeschool and I've continued to be a champion of it and I've continued to sign myself up for it again at the start of each school year when September rolls around, even though it's a difficult and uh, time investing decision to make, the reason why has nothing to do with academics or cultural influences or protecting our kids in any way. Honestly, the reason has to do with our family culture. You know, when Dan was on the show a few episodes ago, he talked a little bit about our family culture. And I'm a big believer in that. The idea that you create a family culture of love, of respect, of closeness with one another. Um, and that to me has been a huge factor in deciding to continue to homeschool because we just plain get to spend time together. It's huge to me. And the closeness that I feel like I've had with each of my kids, not perfect relationships. Please don't read anything that I'm saying as that. I'm not saying we've had perfect relationships with our kids. I'm saying there's been a closeness with each of my kids that I believe homeschooling has afforded us. Um, and that's been a huge benefit for me and a huge factor in considering continuing to homeschool. Huge factor in why I value homeschooling has just been the time that we spend together. Just being in the same space day in and day out, most days of the week for that chunk of time, you know, our quiet mornings together, our chaotic mornings together when the kids were younger, I think has been a huge part of how we formed our kids and has helped us to be an influence in our kids' lives that personally, I don't think I would have had if we were sending them to school. I'm not saying you can't have that if you send your kids to school. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying that is why I have continued to value homeschooling. It's been for that reason. And the closeness our kids have with one another. I think homeschooling has afforded them that. And it's simply, 
it's just come down to the numbers of hours that we are spending together. And I think homeschooling has very much allowed us to make God and family the center of our family culture in a way that I I personally would find more challenging if we were sending our kids out the door and we were all in separate spaces for a large chunk of every day. Um, I know this because as our kids get older, I struggle with this. As our kids have transitioned to school, I very much struggle with the idea that school has a claim on our kids. Like I remember early on when we first started sending kids to high school and the older ones were first going even, you know, full time when our second and, and third were going full time. That was a huge adjustment for me because I was like, what? You have to be there every day? Well, I have this trip planned, you know? <laughs> like I was very much accustomed to deciding things as a family unit and, you know, setting up our schedules and our responsibilities in accordance with our values as a family. And there that would definitely was a transition for me. Definitely there was an adjustment period for me. I still struggle with it. I mean, <laughs> look at my kids' attendance rates. I don't, this is terrible. I'm a terrible send to schooler because yes, I know they have to be there a certain number of days. And yes, they are um, for sure needing to get a certain amount of work done and they are meeting their obligations in that way. But I don't, I don't consider it a priority if we've got something else going on I think much more readily than other parents do. I pull my kids out of school. So uh, there's my confession. I'm a bad send to schooler <laughs> for that reason. But that's why. That's why I continue to value homeschooling. And now we've transitioned to the point where I'm working a lot more. I'm working full time and I even have, you know, different side projects going on, as you know. Um, but the homeschooling that we do right now is two kids full-time who are uh, middle school age. And Dan really does pretty much most of it because his work has transitioned to the point where he's able to be home most mornings and he's able to be available to them. So that part of our family life has transitioned as well. So that's us in a nutshell. The, the pros and cons of what I see about homeschooling and um, what you might want to take into consideration, that's our story. So that said, I just wanted to share a few different ideas for you if you are struggling or maybe even just reevaluating. I think it's helpful the, at the end of a school year to kind of look at how your kids did, what choices you made in the last year, how they benefited your family and what your choices, what, what your best choices are going to be for the coming year. I think this is a great time of year to be able to do that. So I just wanted to share a few ideas about how you might do that for Carol who asked and then for others um, who might be kind of considering those kinds of changes in your own educational choices for your kids. So the first thing I want to say is that there is no perfect way to educate your children. There, I said it. And people who <laughs> on all sides uh, who make all different schooling choices might disagree with that and think, nope, homeschooling is the perfect way. Nope, sending to public schools is the perfect way. No, sending to private schools is the perfect way. No, charter schools are the perfect way. Uh, there isn't. And I think it's really important, especially if we're struggling with these kinds of decisions as parents, to recognize that there are going to be pros and cons with whatever you choose to do. There just are. So there is no perfect way. So I, I just want to encourage you to have your eyes wide open about that going into these kinds of schooling decisions for your kids. And then so my first tip for you is just pray about it. If you are struggling, if you're not sure what's best for your kid, bring that to prayer. I think we don't think to pray about these things often enough. If your child is suffering, struggling academically, and you're not sure how to handle it, bring it to prayer, bring it to Mary, bring it to Jesus through Mary 
ask Mother Mary to intercede on behalf of your child. You know, um, she was the perfect mother and she perfectly met all of Jesus's needs while he was here on earth and while he was growing and all of his needs for education. So look for her guidance with regard to the educational choices you're making for your kids. Go to Mary and ask for her intercession with that regard and ask God, ask Jesus for his guidance, ask for wisdom, ask for the grace to know what's best for your kids for the coming year. And then the second thing I want to mention is you absolutely must be on the same page with your spouse about how you're going to educate your kids. This is a huge thing. Um, You do not want to be pulling your kids out of school and deciding to homeschool them. And I've seen this happen if your husband is against that idea, if he's adamantly against it. You need to at least get him on board where he's willing to give it a try before you're doing that. Because as I mentioned, it's a really hard thing to do. It's a huge commitment. There are all kinds of ways you can mess it up. And the last thing in the world you need with regard to whether it's sending your kids to school or homeschooling your kids is that kind of pressure on your decision. Like if it doesn't work out, it's all your fault. Or if one little thing goes wrong with regard to your homeschooling or one little thing goes wrong with regard to your child being in public school or whatever, that it's all your fault because you and your spouse weren't on the same page about it to begin with. So if you're not on the same page, I am sorry for that because I know that's a struggle and I know that can be a great source of anxiety and pain, but get yourselves on the same page about it. Whether you need to get counseling, whether you need to seek the advice of friends who've made different kinds of schooling decisions, you absolutely need to make that a priority before you're making any kind of decision about your kid's schooling. You need to be on the same page about it. It's too huge to have that kind of conflict inside of your marriage. So don't do that. And number three, I want to encourage you to talk to your kids about it. Talk with them about what they enjoy about school, what makes school hard, um, or if you if they're just beginning, you know, talk to them about their ideas about school, what they might be afraid of about school, how you can be of help to them inside of that transition, whether you're beginning to homeschool. Um, talk with them about their experiences. Talk with them about what their friends do. Talk with them about their hopes for making friends and how that might be easy or difficult, depending on what kinds of school choices you're going to make. So talk with your kids about what they are, because as I mentioned earlier, each of your kids is an individual and they're each going to have individual needs with regard to schooling. And each family is different. So the way your family approaches these things is going to be different, but recognize each of your kids has unique needs with regards to their education. So, you know, one of them might have special needs. One of them might be more social than others. I know somebody who homeschooled all her kids, but one of her daughters she wound up putting in school in elementary school because she just felt like this daughter was really suffering because of a lack of hanging out with friends or being in a classroom with her peers. She just felt this daughter really needed this. So do it. You know, know that you can do that. You can make individualized decisions. But in order to do that, you need to be communicating with your kids and you need to be welcoming their input with regard to their education. They don't get to say, of course, but their opinion and their thoughts and their feelings and their preferences matter. So I want to encourage you to talk with your kids about it. All right. The fourth thing I want to mention is be honest. Be brutally honest with yourself about the investment of time, of money, of energy, what the cost is going to be for whatever decision you make. 
whether it's sending kids to private school, be honest about what that's going to cost you with regard to carpooling, with regard to your monthly budget, with regard to, um, you know, the, the time that your kids are spending away from you. Uh, but also be honest with regard to what it would cost you personally, financially, emotionally, and each of your kids, the same thing. If you send your kids to school or if you choose to homeschool, because one thing I find with regard to schooling choices is that we tend to fantasize about the alternative options. So I know plenty of people who send their kids to school. And then when they hear that I homeschool, they have this idealized, I just know it, I see it in their eyes, this idealized notion of what that means, that we're, you know, we're all gathered around singing hymns and, you know, praying the Angelus and our kids are perfectly behaved and academically excelling in every subject and perfectly disciplined. And I'm so organized, you know, all of that. I know they're picturing that and their eyes kind of glaze over. And they're like, oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, I think that that would be best for my family. We just haven't been able to do that. You know, it, it's a fantasy. And then I know plenty of homeschoolers, myself included, who fantasize about the thrill that it would be sometimes to just throw all your kids on a bus and be done with it. Um, and that's also not true, um, that it costs a lot. And I know just from the brief time, I didn't share all of our academic history, all of our educational history with you, the brief time that um, some of my kids were in a charter school that it cost our family enormously just getting ourselves out of bed and getting lunches prepared and back and forth carpooling and early in the morning getting out the door. Hugely, hugely costly to our family during that time that we did that. Things that you don't think about when you're a homeschooler and you're like fantasizing about how perfect, you know, having a, a, a good charter school would be or something along those lines. So, be honest with yourself. And a good way to be honest is to ask people who are making that alternative decision about the details of their lives and what they struggle with and what's easy and what's hard and what they would recommend, what they would not recommend. Um, getting down to those details, being brutally honest about that. Don't jump into a different thing and change the way you're educating your kids because of a fantasy and glossing over the details of what might be a challenge with regard to that decision. So be honest about that. And then the final tip that I want to mention with regard to making educational decisions about your kids, because these choices are so fraught with anxiety, we just put so much in them because we care so much and we should. These are important decisions. These are things that matter. But the last thing I want to mention is be confident once you make a choice for the coming year, be confident enough in it, trust in your decision enough, trust in God's guidance enough to just fully do it. And don't be apologetic about it. Don't be half-hearted about it. Do it knowing that if it's a giant mess, you can undo it. You can change your mind. I think sometimes we just need that reminder when we're deciding important things, especially with regard to our families, we need that reminder that we can change our minds. Yes, it might be um, kind of an upheaval in your family life if you decide to homeschool and then the next year you're deciding to send to school. Yes, that's costly in a way. Um, or it might be an upheaval in your life to send your children to private school and then just decide that the public school is actually a better option for them the following year, whatever it is. But know that, have confidence knowing that you can undo that decision. You are allowed to change your mind. I think sometimes especially with these large decisions, the things that we feel so invested in, the things that keep us awake at night, worrying about them, um, that we just need that reminder that it's not all or nothing. It's not forever. 
Maybe it will be forever. Maybe it's going to be the perfect thing. Maybe it's going to be not the perfect thing, but what you decide to keep on doing because it's worth it to you, um, because you think it's the best choice for your family. But if it's not, always know that you can reevaluate. You know, over the years, I always like to say, even though I felt like we were in homeschooling for the long haul, and Dan for sure believed we were in homeschooling for the long haul, but I like to say we committed to it one year at a time. And that's honestly what I told myself, because that's what would get me through it. Uh, the start of every school year when I was ordering the materials and, you know, planning out the kids' years, I would always just tell myself, well, we're committing to doing this for the coming year. And that was enough. That was enough to commit to one year at a time. So give yourself permission to do that. Give yourself the relief of knowing that you can undo a decision if it turns out to be the wrong one. God can work with that. <laughs> you can work with that. So those are my tips, not from an expert, not from somebody who has it all together, but just my experiences um, with regard to different kinds of schooling and some of the reasons why we've chosen to do what we've done and why we continue to choose the things that we do. But I know this is a topic that a lot of people have a lot of different experiences with, have a lot of different struggles and challenges with, have questions about. So I'd love to hear your feedback on this topic. So if you want to, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Let me know um, what your challenges have been with regard to this, what your challenges are with regard to making schooling decisions for the coming year. I would love to hear from you. Um, or you can send me a voicemail at that same email address, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always included in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Go there and connect on Voxer, a really fun way to kind of leave voicemail for one another. I would love to hear from you that way. Or you can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me everywhere. I look forward to hearing from you. Now we're going to take a quick break and be right back with more girlfriends. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible if you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Now it's time for a little bit of feedback. This is the part of the show where I like to share what you have said to me. And this week, I just have one uh, part of an email that I'm going to share, and this comes from listener Annie. Annie writes in part, your latest podcast on sharing the faith had so many great tips. I have really been struggling with great sadness because three of my adult children are not living faithful Catholic lives. 
You are so right that others in the same situation don't freely talk about this issue. So often I fall into stinking thinking and wonder where I went wrong and compare my situation with other families whose children have not strayed. It is a constant struggle, but your advice helps so much. I have been praying the St. Monica Chaplet for some time, which is so beautiful and comforting to me, and I have stepped it up with adding in fasting for them lately. I totally get the power of this. Why is it so hard, Annie? Well, Annie, I want to thank you um, for your, it was a, actually a much longer email than that. And you you said so many kind things and encouraging things. I just want to thank you for doing that, um, for taking the time to encourage me, because I am thrilled to hear that the podcast is helpful to you in any way. And yeah, I just want to commiserate about the fact that so many people struggle with regard to whether it's their older kids have strayed from the faith or any issues involving older kids, anything involving teenagers or young adults, the different challenges that we face during that phase of our parenting, that sometimes you can feel all alone in it. And that's one of the hardest things to feel all alone in it. So yeah, I want to encourage you, Annie, and anybody else who's struggling out there to know it's just hard to talk about these things. Hard partly because um, in an appropriate way, we don't want to share our kids' stuff. I, I remember very distinctly when my kids were little, you know, when you're when you're dealing with toddlers, like this is your story to tell, whatever's going on with your toddler. But at a certain point, as they grow a little bit older, the things going on with your kids are not your story to tell. They're their stories to tell or not to tell, and it's none of your business to share it. So a lot of people aren't writing so much or, you know, sharing so much on podcasts or on social media about some of the very real struggles of parenting older kids and the different kinds of ways that they challenge us and the different ways in which sometimes they break our hearts if they are straying from their faith in any way. So I want to commiserate with that, but know that you're not alone. Honestly, this is the most common thing that I hear from moms, especially after uh, speaking at a conference. So many times a mom will kind of pull me aside and just very quietly confide to me about, you know, her, one of her children who's either involved in drugs or is living with her boyfriend or, you know, whatever it is that they're disappointed in what their child is choosing in their young adult life and feeling like they're all alone in it. But yet it's such a common thing. So know that Annie, and it sounds like you are such a good mom and you are praying for your kids, fasting for your kids. I mean, that's amazing. And, um, you know, something I thought of when I read your email, Annie, is uh, this past weekend, I shared that I was in Ohio at a family conference. One of the other speakers there was Gus Lloyd, who's a famous radio personality. And the title of his talk was Seeds of Grace. And the theme of what he was sharing was we as parents, but not even just as parents, just as individuals, as members of the church, as members of our communities, as people in our workplaces, our job is to spread God's message of love, the gospel message, the good news as seeds of grace everywhere and anywhere that we possibly can without discerning where it's going to fall, who's going to receive it, without trying to control what happens after it's landed somewhere, after someone's heard it, after someone's received it, that's where we sometimes go wrong, especially as parents, right? We don't just want to plant the seeds of grace that may or may not bloom immediately, right? That may may not bloom for many years, right? Um, we just, we want to also make sure <laughs> that they're receiving it and help it to grow. And of course, to some extent, that is our role as parents to nurture the faith in our children. But ultimately, especially with regard to older kids, We've planted the seeds of faith. 
We've done that. And we can continue to do that by sharing our faith, but then trusting in God to do the rest. It's not our work. It's his work. God is working on our kids. He loves our kids more than we do. So recognizing that, I think that was such an encouraging message that Gus Lloyd shared. I really appreciated it because you can hear a lot of scare tactics and different kinds of statistics um, in even Catholic media about kids that are going to go astray and the likelihood of raising your kids and having them remain inside the Catholic church. And it can be very discouraging, but I found what he shared to be very hope-filled and encouraging. So I would encourage you to check out, I don't know if that talk's available online. Uh, Maybe I'll do a little searching because I think it's really helpful for parents of all different ages and stages to hear and just be reminded of that. So thank you for your email, Annie. If you want to email me, the address is danielle at daniellebean.com. You know I would love it if you would send me a voicemail there. You also know I would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes. It's hugely helpful in helping us to grow the community of listeners here at Girlfriends, having those reviews on iTunes. But also, if you're listening on iTunes, click subscribe. That also is hugely helpful. And I want to make sure that we are connecting week after week. And that's a good way to be sure that you're not going to miss a single episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So that's all we have time for this week. But I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being an important member of the Girlfriends community. Your presence here matters. The fact that you are listening, the fact that you tune in, is so very important to me and so very encouraging to me. Whether this was your first time listening and I want to encourage you to become a more active member of the Girlfriends community or if you've listened hundreds of times, you are an important part of what I do here at Girlfriends and I am happy to have you as part of our community. So thank you so much for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.